may the grace of children, as equally as great as the Father, as many as rejoice in the God of our salvation. For us to for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign over the th David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it, with justice and righteousness, from that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Zinzi. Thank you, Rory. Good morning, church, and Merry Christmas. I was worried Sevilla wanted to not only have the feeling of the stable, but he also wanted to have the fragrance of the stable. And we said no. We said no, no to that. Friends, as I've been praying for you this week, I felt like the Lord said to me, some of you here today feel sick. Some of you are tired. Some of you are carrying regrets. Some of you are lonely. Some of you have anxiety for the future. Some of you have fear for the future. Some of you are carrying deep regrets of the past. The beautiful message of Christmas is that Jesus comes into every one of these situations. I was praying for my sons this week. One's got a massive change in his life, leaving studies and going full-time. Another one was traveling for 20 hours. And I was carrying just certain amounts of pain, anxiety, love, compassion for them. And as I was praying for them, this is what I felt like the Lord said to me. What he said to me. As much, as much as I was feeling love for my boys, it's, it's one billionth billionth of how much the Father carries love in his heart for us. So whatever your situation today, the Father sees where you are. And he is crazy about you. I adore my wife. I love my boys. Carry them in my heart. But it's nothing compared to the love that the Father has for you. So whatever your situation today, whatever the heartbreak, stress, anxiety, Jesus is more than enough. And he is here for you today. Let's pray together. Father, through the noise that's in our heads and even the noise of the children here at the front, I pray that you would break through. I pray that you would speak to the hearts that are desperate, the hearts that are lonely, the hearts that have need. Jesus, that you would come down. Lord, as we celebrate Christmas and we have a good time or maybe not such a good time, May we not miss the true essence of Emmanuel, God with us, that you have come down onto this earth to redeem us, to meet with us, to heal us, to touch us. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus.
All God's people said, Amen. Amen. Many of you have got different perspectives on Christmas. And uh, what's happening around the world is that more and more people see Christmas as secular and not something as, as holy and worshipful. It's not something where we, we celebrate Jesus and we think about what he's done. It's more about presents and tinsel and cake. And this is happening throughout the world. The Pew Research Company said that in America, at present, 54% of Americans just see it as a cultural holiday. And the number's increasing every year. And amongst millennials, it's nearly 70%. For them, it's just cultural. It's not just research. There's narratives, there's stories going out there. There's different meanings of Christ Christmas. John Denver said the following. The meaning of Christmas is people. The New York Times said the following. The meaning of Christmas is that love will triumph and we'll be able to put the world together in unity and in peace. Recently, we had our Global Citizen Concert and they're doing a fabulous job. Really applaud the, the objectives and they've done a bunch of great things. And some of their goals are climate action, quality education, Responsible consumption, peace and justice. If you look at all these organizations, if you were to summarize it, it reminds me of the Live Aid concert in the 90s. Anybody remember this song? Somebody please sing it. <laughs> so, uh, Okay, that's enough. <laughs> but you guys are good. Please sign up for the worship team if you'd like to. And as much as you love singing that song, and I love singing that song, the real message of Christmas is the, almost the exact opposite of that song. Bob Dylan, who was part of singing that song, the great Bob Dylan, after the song, they interviewed him because he didn't look very happy when he was singing the song. And they said to him, what's wrong? And he said the following. He said, humankind cannot save itself. Humankind cannot dig itself out of the ditches that it has created. Humankind cannot solve its own sin problem or division problem. So here we have before you two messages. We are the world, we are the children, we're the ones who make a brighter day, so let's start giving. And listen, I'm, I'm all for that. But the truth of it is, we cannot save ourselves. That passage of scripture that Rory and Zinzi read, Isaiah chapter 9, I want to read it one more time. And I want you to see the context, or well, I want you to understand, chapter 8 talks about a disaster facing the world. And then it says, nevertheless, there'll be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. 
The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish it. What's the context of this passage? Because there's a nevertheless at the beginning. However, but, nevertheless. In chapter 8, the last few verses, it says the following. They are distressed, and they are hungry, and they roam through the land, and they are famished. And they become enraged, and they look upwards, and they curse their king and their God. And then they look towards the earth. Can you see what's happening to the Israelites? There's a famine. There's a lack. Economical. Psychological. Social. Spiritual. And they're running everywhere. They're going to the great intellectuals. It talks in chapter 8 of how they go to the mystics, the mediums, the, the spiritists. And then, at the beginning of chapter 9, there comes a but. There comes a however. There comes a nevertheless. There is a light that is dawning. And it's not we are the world. And it's not we are the children. It's not a light that we've developed. But it's a light that we discover. It's far beyond us. It's God intervening into our world. It's God breaking through into our sadness, into our loneliness, into our sickness and bringing peace and bringing joy and coming as Emmanuel, God with us. There's utter darkness and we keep looking on the ground and then God breaks through and he brings his light. This is why we look at passages of scripture carefully. This is why we read the Bible in context because otherwise we'll just say, for unto us the son is born, for unto us the child is given other way around. We'll just be happy about it and not realize the deep despair, the context of this passage of Scripture. The, people's, the Bible says that the people have walked in darkness and then they have discovered a great light. So yes, I'm going to be the one millionth person who tells you what the real meaning of Christmas is. <laughs> Christmas means that the world is a dark place and yet there's a message of unparalleled hope. And Christmas means that Jesus is the light. Jesus is the star and the world is in darkness. Remember, they look to the earth and they see nothing but darkness. The world analyzes its problems. The world discusses its problems. Go into talk radio, go into the internet. There are thousands, tens of thousands, no millions of opinions as to how to solve the world's problems. But 
but Jesus is the great light. Next slide, please. I don't know if I'm controlling this or if you guys are controlling it. Isaiah prophesied this nevertheless 700 years before he came. Israel was going to the channelers, the mediums. I don't know if you ever look at your horoscopes. I hope not. Don't lift up your hand. I don't know if you rely on superstitions, lucky numbers. That's what Israel was doing. The Greeks at that time, they were looking to education. Some of you think you're going to find your success, your power in your MBA, your PhD. Intellectuals have tried to save the world for thousands of years, and they haven't saved it. The Jews themselves, at the time of Jesus, you know what they were looking for? Leadership. We just need a strong man. We just need a strong woman. We need Margaret Thatcher. We need Julius Malema. We have a crisis of leadership here. We need somebody with vision who will throw off the yoke. And then some people were saying, nah, doesn't matter. Let's just eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow we die. The message of Christmas is this, that unless God sends his son, doesn't matter about your PhD, doesn't matter about the politicians, doesn't matter about your therapist, doesn't matter about how clever you are, doesn't matter about your parting, there will be no light, there will be no strength. Christmas means that if you don't know God personally, then there's a darkness. For some it's quick, and for some it's a slow seeping. If for you Christmas is about singing Kumbaya and giving presents to people, spending money on things that you don't want and they don't want and, and everybody smiles. If for you it's just about eating food without Jesus, then it actually means nothing. You know, Christianity is not sent sentimental. Non-Christian philosophy is sentimental. Non-Christian non philosophy says things are not that bad. In every cloud, there's a silver lining. But Christianity is far more realistic. And it says the following, things are bad. Things are actually worse than the most pessimistic analyst can declare. But nevertheless, nevertheless, one has come. And who is he? And if we just look at Isaiah, Isaiah written 2,700 years ago, prophesied the following in Isaiah chapter 9 and chapter 7 and these other chapters. Look at it. It says that Galilee will be honored. And, and this was the place of Jesus' base. This is where he operated from. And then he said, secondly, a child will be born. A son will be given. And this is the beautiful thing about Christianity. It's a gift. A son is given. We don't earn relationship with God. A son is given. And then there's a virgin birth. There's a, a 16, 17-year-old maybe who God has used. And doesn't matter how old you are. doesn't matter how young you are. If you'll say, here I am, Lord, use me, God will respond. And the outcome Emmanuel, God with us, mighty God. And who is he? He's from the, 
from the roots of Jesse. He's an heir of David. And what does he promise to do? He promises to make a new covenant. I want you to just look at these verses and these outcomes and think, how did the Jewish mind process these things? A new covenant, a son born to us who will be the mighty God, Emmanuel. Chapter 49 and 53, he will be rejected by his own, by Israel. And yet, chapter 49 and 52, he will be a light to the Gentiles. And he will be pierced for our transgressions, what Jess, Pastor Jess spoke about today. And he will triumph over death. I mean, this is the gospel just in the book of Isaiah. Spoken of 700 years before Jesus came. 2,000. 700 years ago. This is the message that we proclaim. And this is why in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our despair, in the midst of our anxiety about the future, we can look and say, unto us a child is born, a son is given, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. You know, these verses have caused many critics a lot of heartache. A lot of head scratching, a lot of cynics, a lot of pessimists, a lot of skeptics, agnostic, atheists have tried to deconstruct Isaiah chapter 9 and Isaiah chapter 7. And they've said a couple of things. They've said, you know, there's transmission errors. You know, Isaiah that we've got today is not the Isaiah that they had. They've even gone so far as to say that, you know, they actually reconfigured the scriptures so that Jesus kind of retroactively fulfilled it. Something incredible happened near the Dead Sea, 1948 to 1949, November 48 to January, February, sorry, 46 and 47, November 46, February 47, in a place called Qumran, young shepherd boy, Muhammad Adib and his two cousins found 12 caves, hundreds of scrolls of the Old Testament well over 2,000 years old, 2,200, 2,300 years old, the so-called Dead Sea Scrolls. And they examined them and they said, is Isaiah, these verses, Isaiah 9 and Isaiah 7, are they the same that we read today as were written 2,700 years ago? The skeptics, the scholars all dived in and I read, this is the answer. The discovery demonstrated the unusual accuracy of transmission over thousands, over thousands of years period, rendering it reasonable to believe that the current Old Testament texts are reliable copies of the original work. It's mind-blowing, but it shouldn't be mind-blowing. Holy Spirit comes to Isaiah. Isaiah prophesies 700 years before Jesus was born. That one will come who will move around Galilee, who will be a son, and who will be mighty God, Emmanuel, God with us. So we live in this assurance that the Bible that we have today is accurate. But even more importantly, is that someone has been given to us, a son, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And so, it doesn't matter how dark your situation is. 
a light has dawned. Have you ever heard this said before? That kind of situation can never be helped. Have you heard this said? That kind of person can never change. Have you heard this said? There's no help. There's no hope. We're always writing things off. We write off people. We write off situations. You know, back in 94, a lot of you weren't born then. There were these prophets that were declaring South Africa is going to be a bloodbath. Remember that? Some of you remember that? South Africa was written off by a whole lot of people. God is the God of all hope. And you know what he loves to do? He loves to take us off our high horses. He loves to come to situations that look hopeless. He, looks, he loves to come into situations that look unlikely. And he loves to do the unexpected. So the question is, so does it matter where you're from? Does it matter? Does it matter where, what you've been through? Does it really matter what you've done? Does it matter how hopeless your situation is? Actually, yes, it does. You know why? Because God favors those kinds of situations. God is an expert, and He delights in coming into those places of great darkness. He delights in coming to the most backwater of place. Israel, Nazareth, the most conquered of the conquered. And he loves to come to the hopeless and bring them life. Jesus humbled himself to come to us. And so we should do the same. Born to poor parents, born to an unwed mother, as I said, born in the biggest backwater of a despised, defeated possible. If he humbled himself, then at Christmas, you need to realize that the only way that you can come to him is by humbling yourself as well. You know, the only people that came to Jesus' first party were shepherds. Shepherds were the lowest of the low. The only people that came to his first party were the shepherds, who had no social status. If your attitude this morning is, God, you owe me. I'm a good person. I do good things. You owe me. Or if you say, God, you owe me because I've had a hard life. Because everything has gone wrong for me. If you come to God saying you owe me, then you're not coming with a shepherd's heart. You're coming expecting respect. You're coming demanding respect. But the truth of the matter is the only ones who receive the kingdom of, kingdom of heaven are the poor in spirit. They're the ones with the hearts that are like shepherds. They're the people who recognize that they are unrespectable, unlikely. So, friend, strip yourself of your spiritual respectability. Strip yourself of your pride of how good you are. Even strip yourself of those things that you have earned by suffering. Rather come without your references, without your CV, without everything that you've done. 
and come with that humble shepherd heart and say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, without you, I'm nothing. For to us a child is born. Luke 2 verse 14. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace amongst those with whom he is pleased. Who is God pleased with? You know who he's pleased with? Those who are humble. God's no respecter of persons, but he's looking for the man, the woman who will say, God, I need you. He's looking for the man, the woman who will say, I don't have it all together. But Jesus, thank you for coming. I need you. I receive you. I acknowledge that you are the Lord. And I want to receive you as my Savior. On whom does his peace and favor rest? It's those who are hungry. That's not everybody. Bible says the road to hell is broad and as this temperature is increasing in this room, <laughs> I'm reminded. But the road to heaven is narrow and that road is the road of humility. Bible says God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. What is the promise to us? The promise to us is great joy. It says, and we read this passage of Scripture, you have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing plunder. In the life of an agricultural people, the greatest celebrations would have been harvest time and at the time when they had defeated an enemy and they got to celebrate the plunder. No, you have that. Why can we rejoice? We can rejoice because we have someone who is wonderful counselor. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tested in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. You know those people who get where you're at? You know those people who have been through what you've been through? This verse is saying, Hebrews chapter 4, that Jesus has been through every possible situation that we've been through, yet without sin, and he's moved with compassion towards us. And that is why he's wonderful counselor. So whatever the complicated mess that you are facing, look to him. Because he is wonderful counselor. And secondly, he is mighty God. No situation, no crisis, no sickness, no disease, no problem is too big for him. God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the pride. And he also promises that his power is made perfect in our weakness. He is the mighty God. As we come to him, God gives us his strength. He gives us his power. 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9, Paul writes, he says, the Lord spoke to him and he said to him, 
My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is perfected in weakness. And then Paul says, for when I'm weak, then I am strong. When we acknowledge our need for him and we cry out to him, then we become strong. The fourth part of his name, everlasting father, and it's not something from Thor or father. It's everlasting father, 2,700 years before that. Nobody got that. I don't know what your father was like. Sometimes I wish I was a better father. But the father that we have is the father of the prodigal son. And he longs for your return. He doesn't hold you or hold himself away from you because of your sin. But he wants to clothe you. And he wants to forgive you. He is the everlasting father who stays ever constant who is merely a prayer away, a prayer of repentance, a prayer of turning. And lastly, he is the Prince of Peace. What peace does he bring? He brings peace first and foremost between us and God. Because whether you like it or not, outside of Jesus, you are estranged from God. You are not in relationship with the Father outside of Jesus. It's not possible to have the peace of God without peace with God because God does not ignore sin he never has he never will the wages of sin is death but Jesus brings us peace with the father not only does he bring us peace with God he brings us peace inside of ourselves once we have peace with the father we come into peace with ourselves and thirdly Because we have peace with God and peace within ourselves, we can have peace one with another. We can truly enjoy Christmas. We can truly love one another. Recap. As Bob Dylan said, humanity cannot save itself. And then God comes through, and it's a but God moment. It's a nevertheless. God made this plan, spoke of this plan 2,700 years ago. And so it doesn't matter how dark your situation is. All you need to do is humble yourself and you will receive life and you will receive cleansing and you will receive peace. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. I can't remember ever doing this on a Christmas morning. But just in prayer this week, I felt that there are people and and you're in a desperate place. You know that there's darkness. You know there's disappointment. You know that you need Jesus. You know that you need a Savior. And if that's you this morning, we want to give you the opportunity on Christmas morning to receive the Savior, to receive Him and and so receive the gift of eternal life. Receive the gift of sins being forgiven and you coming into a place of peace with God. What is required of you is that humility to say, I need Him. I need Him. You don't clean up your act 
He is the one who washes you clean. But what you do need to do is say, here I am. Forgive me. Here I am, Lord. I need you. So if you're that prodigal son this morning, you've been running. Maybe you were raised in church. You were hurt. You've fallen away. Maybe you never really have given your life to Jesus. Whatever your situation. I feel like God has got your number this morning. Young man, young lady. If that's what you want, then I'm going to ask that you be decisive and just lift up your hand. As a sign, I want to pray for you, but, but most of all, as a sign to God that you're saying, I surrender. If that's you, why don't you just lift up your hand and say, I want Jesus. If that's you, just lift up your hand. I'm going to trust God with you. Is anybody here? Thank you, Jesus. One or two hands. One or two hands. Church, can we all stand together, please? This is just logistical. I'm not going to ask you to say a speech. I'm not going to embarrass you. But if you lifted up your hand, even if you didn't, but you want Jesus, I'm going to ask you to come to the front. I want to pray with you. We'll wrap up the service and I want to spend some time with you. So if that was you, lift up the ha your hand. Just come to the front now, please. Just, just so you know, we're clapping for you. We're clapping for you. The Bible says, the Bible says that, that the angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner. One sinner. And we are just so grateful. If you lifted up your hand or you didn't, but you know you need to make right with God, come forward now. Just wait one, one or two more moments. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Church, help me by praying for these people. Young men, young ladies, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Pray this prayer from your heart. I'm just going to help you with words. There's no magic formula in the words, but there's faith. So pray this prayer aloud. And church, pray it with them. Lord Jesus, I repent. I turn from doing it my way. And I choose to follow you. Come into my life. Forgive me. Cleanse me. I receive you as my Savior. I declare that you are Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. And Father, we pray, never the same, Lord God. From today, Lord God. Lord, reconciled. Lord, peace with the Father. Lord, peace in their souls, Lord God. Lord, may they receive, Lord God, all that you have for them, Lord God. Lord Jesus, you wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, we pray, Lord God, that they would receive 
every aspect of your character and all that you have for them. I'm just going to ask a few more counselors to come forward. I think we need one more man. Oh, Lorek, are you there? Father, we pray never the same. Lord, this Christmas morning will mark their lives forever. Lord, may they be added to community. May they be added to discipleship, Lord God. And Lord, may we see them in glory. And next Sunday. In Jesus' name. Amen. We want to... I know... I know it's a Christmas day for everybody, but we just want these leaders just to spend a little bit of time with you. Can you give them just a little bit of time? And counselors, can you give a little bit of time? Can you invest in these people just to pray with them? So just follow Pastor David. Pastor David, give us a wave. And we're going to go upstairs there and just pray with you for a few moments, give you some literature. Thank you. Let's just thank the Lord for that. One more thing. If you're here today and Jesus is your Lord, but, but you're just feeling tested and tried and lonely and disappointed, whatever, or your body needs healing, whatever it is, we want to pray for you right now. So if you need a breakthrough, just lift up your hands. If there's sadness in your soul, if you're anxious about 2019, whatever, just lift up your hands. We're going to pray right now. If there are people lifting up their hands and, and you're good, just put your hand on the person who's lifting up their hands. Let's be the body one to another. Jesus, thank you that you came. Thank you. You are the great nevertheless. And Lord, as we look to you now, as a community, Father God, we pray for breakthrough. Lord, whatever need, Lord, is being lifted up. As, as they lift up their hands, whatever the need is, Lord, we pray for a miracle. Lord, a miracle in their body, a miracle in their finances, a miracle in their relationships, a miracle, Lord God, in their souls, Lord God, where they are depressed and heart-pressed. We ask for this. We agree on it. In Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen and Amen. While you're standing, I want to say this as we close. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace now and forevermore. Merry Christmas, every nation. Let's give the Lord a hand.